This was my little quote from Sunday morning, and I want to give it to you more accurately because I was quoting it from memory, but it was Paul Bear Bryant's quote, it's not the will to win that matters. Everyone has that. It's the will to prepare to win that matters. Hallelujah. So that's one of the things we've been diligently trying to do, and it requires stretching and it requires changing, but we are preparing to win in in Tuscaloosa, Alabama at River Church. We're preparing to win because we, and you know, it, sometimes you just can't keep doing the same thing you've been doing and keep praying the same prayers you've been praying. Hallelujah. Because uh, Sandy Ballou said this, I was re-listening to her from when she was here. And she said, you know, it's not going to come the same way it came when my daddy was pastoring the Methodist church and the charismatic renewal came through. And, you know, it's not going to look that he said, you know, she talked about Catherine Kuhlman coming to Fort Worth and uh, Oral Roberts coming to Fort Worth. And she said, God's not going to do it. It's not going to look the same. It's not going to be the same. And so this revival culture and understanding these things are preparing us for uh, we're preparing to win. Amen. We're preparing to win, and we have the will to prepare to win. And if that means changing, I'm willing to change. In fact, I've had to be do some changing. Hallelujah! Change the way we think. Change the way we're having church and revive and uh, uh, and stone uh, stone throwers. Uh, fire starters, kind of uh, fire starters is is that is a change. Uh, in the way we have church and then the way we're worshiping on Wednesday night and there's a lot of things that are changing so uh, two weeks ago before you had fire starters last week we talked about um, spiritual families and we took this spiritual families which is the first revival culture and the revival cultures are intended to sustain revival because there's never been a revival yet that's been sustained of all the moves of God throughout history, it's proven historical fact that there's never been revival sustained for very long. And so we're looking to not only be in revival, and I don't believe we're waiting for revival to come. I believe we're in it. But I do believe we're just in the beginning stages. And so you might say, well, I don't see a lot. Well, you see a little, though. And so, and a little is in, it can increase more and more and more until there's a lot. And, and it depends on us. It depends on our willingness to change. It depends on our willingness to learn. It depends on our stewardship. It depends on prayer. It's not an automatic. It depends on us taking the prophecies that we were given and processing those. Pastor talked about Sunday morning. I think that's one of the best things that he's ever said, although he said a lot of good things, but that the prophecy is the potential. This is what God's vision is. This is what he'd like to see. This is what he wants for your life. This is the plan. This is the destiny. This is what you can have. And so when you hear words about millions of dollars and, and great ministries, that's the potential. Amen? That's the potential. But you... Can you, if you just sit back and say, well, let's just wait and see, or if you just even think, I'm not just going to wait and see, I really believe it's going to happen, but I believe it's just going to happen automatically, no matter what I do, then you already missed it, You've, it's already over. You have to process the plan of God through prayer. And so we get those prophecies and we begin to process them. 
And that's why Pastor always says, write it down. And y'all are good about getting the CD. And I trust you're writing it down and taking those words. And not, not just the whole word as a whole, but the individual parts, the... the um, because a lot of times the phrasing is so is so supernatural. It's like every word in this Bible is important and the phrasing is so unique. That's one of the things that causes us to know it's God because only God could say it that way. Sandy Ballou is not smart enough to say it that way. Our pastor or Debbie Billings or anybody else that would give a prophecy. We're not smart enough to, that, that you know, God just, there's a, there's a, there's just a way God says things that you'll go, isn't that awesome? Isn't that awesome? You know, just like he said to us, I'm going to open up a new avenue of revenue instead of, well, more money's coming. Now, that's how the natural man would say it. But the way God says it is, it's poetic nearly, a new avenue of revenue. It is poetic. Avenue and, well, I don't know if it's poetic, but it's, there's, a, there's something about the way God says things. And so, well, you know, everything's, money's coming. Well, that's not what he said. He said a new avenue of revenue. So we are praying and looking, Lord, where is that new avenue of revenue? Where is it? You know, hallelujah. And so uh, that's all extra because that's not what we're talking about. But uh, we're talking about having a revival culture and have, being a family. God wanted a family, not an organization, not an institution. We find that in that the church is part. Not we're not just talking about uh, the 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 natural family. Although the natural family is extremely important to God, tremendously important to God. Uh, but in Ephesians chapter 3, verse 14, we find out that God looks at the church uh, as family and says, For this cause I bow my knees unto the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, of whom the whole family, say family, in heaven and earth is named. So part of the spiritual family is in heaven right now. And part of them are in the earth. You probably have natural family in heaven. But the most important thing, they didn't get there to heaven unless they were spiritual family, did they? Hallelujah. So the whole family in heaven and the whole family in earth. And so we need to rightly uh, discern the spiritual family. The Bible says in uh, Corinthians, when the Lord's Supper, Paul said that if you don't discern the Lord's body, you'll be sickly and weak and even die prematurely. Now, I think that's talking about if we don't discern the the flesh body of Jesus, but also it's that we're talking. It's talking about we need to discern the Lord's body and the body of we are the body of Christ. And uh, there's not supposed to be lone rangers. I know there's so many mess ups in the church and so many people doing it the wrong way and convincing themselves it's the right way but the right way is to be connected to the family the family of God you're not going to have a little cabin over in heaven hid out behind the trees and not have to talk to anybody not have to communicate you're not going to be a lone ranger and in the family of God there's not supposed to be any lone rangers is there um so uh, we're talking about this because, man, this is so important. Let's just look up some scriptures tonight. Let's go over to Genesis chapter 12. And some of these relate to natural family, and some of them relate to uh, spiritual family, and some of them we can just take them both ways. Hallelujah. Genesis 12, 3. There's a lot of scriptures in the Bible about how important family is. And in Genesis 12, 3, when he was talking to Abraham... 
He said, And I will bless them that bless thee, and curse thee him that curseth thee. And in thee shall all families of the earth be blessed. The families of the earth get blessed because of covenant and because of spiritual connection. Your family, you just see it. A family that understands covenant, goes to church, that family's going to walk under a greater degree of blessing in the earth. Let's keep on going. Exodus 12, 21. Some of these may mean more to you than others, but... Exodus 12, verse 21. Uh Then Moses called for all the elders of Israel and said unto them, Draw out and take you a lamb according to your families and kill the Passover. According to families. The family is supposed to be in unity, in the presence of God, together, not you know, not separated and the wife going over here to First Baptist and the man going over here to the Church of Christ. Hallelujah. First of all, not everybody that's married should have got married. Uh, That, you know, and if you couldn't have come to some sort of agreement religion-wise before marriage, then you shouldn't get married, in my opinion. My humble opinion. But for sure, you eat the Passover together. You eat of covenant together. And it's not, uh, you know, and a lot of people in certain denominations are just totally unwilling to change. But, you know, hallelujah. That needs to be worked out ahead of time anyway. Because very important to God that families be together. That families go to church together and attend church together. It's tremendously important. Leviticus 25.10. That doesn't mean you can't ever visit anywhere, but that just means that, uh, hallelujah, we partake of covenant together as family. God blesses the family unit. And that's not the only way he'll bless you, but hallelujah. I'm looking for Leviticus. Can anybody help me? It's hard to talk and look for Leviticus at the same time. It's right after, before Numbers. I was looking for it after Numbers. In Leviticus 25.10. It's where your pages are stuck together. Okay, 25.10 says, And ye shall hallow the 50th year and proclaim liberty throughout all the land unto all the inhabitants thereof. It shall be a jubilee unto you, and ye shall return every man unto his possession, and ye shall return every man unto his family. So, you know, part Jesus is our jubilee. And so when we begin to to receive and partake of the blessings of God, one of the things he does is put families back together. Amen? Now this is talking about family member being sold into slavery, but hallelujah that the fam- our family members that are off under st- and are slaves of sin because Jesus is the jubilee are being brought back under. Hallelujah. Psalm 68.6 I'll tell you how important God thinks family is, and that you'll find it in this scripture. Psalm 68, 6. And this is talking about uh, a spiritual family here. Primarily talking about a spiritual family. I mean, it could happen another way, but primarily. It says in Psalm 68, 6, God setteth the solitary in families. 
He set he setteth the solitary in families. Psalm sixty eight six. Y'all didn't like that. Okay, I, I thought y'all were looking at me funny, like I had the wrong verse. Okay, which I can do that. But Psalm 68, he sets the solitary in families. So, you know, if you're single and you don't have any family, hallelujah, your family, God's going to put you in a spiritual family. That's going to be his first order of business, to put you in a place where you have spiritual family. Hallelujah. It's always his will. Uh, let's turn to James 1.27. We'll just look these all up at once and... Then I won't have to remember to look at them when we start. Look how, look at this. James 1.27. Pure religion and undefiled before God and the Father is this. To visit the fatherless and widows in their affliction and to keep himself unspotted from the world. Pure religion. He says that's what it is. To, well, I wrote in my Bible to help people. Pure religion. He's saying there to help people. But I want you to know God's very concerned for the fatherless. He's very concerned for the widow. And whether that's a widow by death or a widow by divorce, there's a lot of women that get uh, just thrown off in divorce and they are really what God would consider a widow. The world says they're divorced, but the God says, no, that person has been left by their husband. So uh, a widow. And, so, and, and, a sort, and a certainly widowers too. But we used to have a little joke in our family that them widowers, they don't stay widowers long. They don't hardly let her get cold before they get them another wife. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Which is true. And the reason I always say is because they can't find anything. And so they have to get married again just so they can find things. Men can't find anything. Even Carter, he's, this is like, I'll send him to get some. I couldn't find it, Nanny. Carter, it is right there, you know. Anyway, so men can't find anything so they get married quick but another reason they get married quick is because all the little old widow ladies in the church start bringing them apple pie hallelujah <laughs> and more they're after them <laughs> it's the truth whether we i mean we we laugh but it's true um a third john four third john four now i think i can find that Third John 4. Third John verse 4. I have no greater joy than to hear that my children walk in truth. This is talking about, uh, let me, this is, um, the boy, I tell you what, is that not true for every mother in here? Can you have a greater joy than to know your children are walking in truth? You cannot. Every mother and father in here, and uh, praise God, and that's how God feels. Beloved, thou doest faithfully whatsoever thou doest to the brethren and to strangers. And so, hallelujah, God loves family. Turn to Psalm 107, verse 41, and we'll, that'll be all the scriptures for right now. Psalm 107. Boy, I just the more I studied, the more I found the scriptures on family, or that I, at least they spoke to me about family. Psalm 107, verse 41, Yet sitteth he the poor on high from affliction, and maketh him families like a flock. Hallelujah. God loves families. He's really excited about the family. Amen. Um, we'll read some more scriptures lately. I, I want to say this. I'm not going to preach on Duck Dynasty tonight. Some of you will be very thankful of that. But, you know, what was there, 11.3 million that watched the the season opener for the 
for the third season or fourth season or whatever we're in of Duck Dynasty. I'm sure you were one of them. We were on pins and needles ourselves. Uh, Pastor, not so much as me. I am thrilled with Duck Dynasty. And I'm like, well, you know, and I hate beards. Don't get me wrong. I absolutely abhor I like I like a clean-shaven man. That's why I'm like pastor. Could pastor could have a Duck Dynasty beard in two weeks? Not maybe that bad, but pretty bad. And because he can grow a beard, that man, Hallelujah. But um, so I won't let him. And I don't even know how they kiss those men. But <laughs> but I think for a million dollars I could kiss about anything. <laughs> I'm sure that's not. <laughs> <laughs> but I know why I love duck dinosaurs. And it's not ducks or hunting. Give me strength. Hallelujah. I'm so thankful my husband doesn't hunt. I'm so thankful he don't play golf. I just thank God every day nearly that he don't play golf. And he thanks God he don't play either. Hallelujah. And that's just the best of all worlds, that he's so thrilled. He, I'm not making him not have to play golf. Hallelujah. But I tell you why I like duck dynasty. And I believe that this is why 11.3 million people or households, whatever it was, in America is so caught up with Duck Dynasty. I believe it's for one reason only. I believe it's because everybody, that is the dream of their heart, is to have that kind of family. I mean, I just get all welled up at the end when all those family members are around the table and, uh, and Phil starts praying and says, Lord, we just thank you for another great day on planet Earth. And, you know, I, I tell you what, there is just nothing like a family that's in unity, that can worship together, that can work together. And you got to have some Christianity to work together. Because I worked for my dad once, and I wasn't Christian enough. Of course, I was just out of high school. I wasn't, I wasn't Christian enough to work for my daddy. I can, at least at that point in my life. He wasn't either. He worked for him, too, at one time. Uh, yeah, when he, had a, uh, he was, he, when he had a feed store, feeding seed, you know, cow feed and, and cotton seed he had a store and and so oh my jesus that was a trying summer my mother said i came home every day from work crying so, so it was a hard summer on her too anyway uh, uh so but that's why we all love duck dynasty you know my kids i back in the early 2000s there was a show on tv called judging amy anybody remember judging amy love judging amy my kids grabbed at me they said oh they're so liberal they're just it, they're oh they're the they're and their politics were way liberal on and they always they have that undercurrent of an agenda that every episode has an agenda where they're trying to you know about those kind of shows well judging amy had a big agenda a big liberal agenda but you know what? Every Thursday night, that family got around that table, and they all came together, and they ate supper every Thursday night. And they weren't even godly, but something about that family that really was attractive. And so I got to watch. I, well, I bet I've watched every episode three times of Judging Amy. Still on if you want to start watching. <laughs> Still running reruns of it. But So that's why we're attracted to it, because God's putting our heart... This 
huge desire to have family and to have family that are knitted together in a way, supernatural way, that only God can do. And most families are so disjointed and so fragmented and so falling apart in America. And if they're not falling apart... At best, they're just too busy to have time for each other. But there's nothing more powerful on earth than family. There's nobody that can help you go further, that God will bless more than when families. Uh, and a lot of us just uh, have not recognized that in the past. But God loves family. Um, so we have a lot of families in America who don't know how to be family. And even the politicians who aren't even spiritual agree that the problems that America has today is because of the, the family unit has fell apart in America. They say why that's why kids are on the street, why they're doing drugs, why they're killing people. And, and uh, so we want to maybe learn some things through this on how to be a better phys a natural family as well as how to be a better spiritual family. Um, so family is intended by God to be a thing of beauty, to be a thing of power, to think, be a thing of glory, and to be a thing of legacy, that we pass it forward through the generations. And uh, uh, it's very important. We have to esteem family, and we have to esteem, esteem what we are going, the, the uh, anointing and the mantle upon family, or we will never uh, pass it forward. But do you remember the story of uh, Jacob and Esau? How, um, uh, Isaac's two sons and Isaac uh, is that right? Jacob and Esau okay yeah Jacob you know his name means usurper and we see him lie we see him use deception. And boy, there's, that's been always something I didn't understand. It's like, you know, God blessed him, and the man was a liar. And, he, and the man, his name is usurper or deceiver. And, and he, uh, he, he deceived his father. He deceived. And, uh, but the thing, the reason God blessed him is simply this. Even though he was a deceiver and he lied to get to get something, is he blessed him because Jacob esteemed the birthright. And even though he went about it all wrong on how to get the birthright, because really it was already kind of prophesied that this would happen. Because remember, it, when uh, when both of those boys who were twins were in. Um, Rebecca's womb, old Jacob stuck his foot out first. <laughs> he stuck one foot out. The midwife tied a string around his foot saying, well, he was, uh, but then he stuck the foot back in and Esau came out first. <laughs> I'll give y'all a, a birth lesson here. But anyway, and so then Jacob was born. So it was kind of already designated by God because of the foot coming out first. Feet had lots of importance in the Bible, you know, and still the, in the Bible they do. So anyway, it was prophesied, and of course Rebecca knew about this, and Rebecca helped him scheme to get this birthright because she valued it so much. She valued the birthright. She taught Jacob to value it. I believe she taught him as a child and growing up that he stuck his foot out first and it was supposed to have it. And uh, so he went about it wrong, but because he esteemed and valued the birthright, uh, he got it and Esau didn't. 
And Esau had zero value for the birthright because remember, he got hungry and sold his birthright for a bowl of soup or porridge or pottage or whatever pottage is. You know, beans, lentils, hallelujah. How, you know. And so not valuing the birthright is super uh, insulting to God. Not valuing the mantle, not valuing the anointing. And it works in the spiritual family as well as the natural family. Now, that was a natural family anointing. And we ought to be very uh, respectful and very honoring and very thankful for any Christian heritage we have, even if it was a limited Christian heritage and it wasn't the full thing. I have a good Baptist heritage that, you know, I'm thankful for. Hallelujah. He had a pastor had a good Baptist heritage and we're thankful we got saved in the Baptist church. And uh and we we stayed saved because when you get to be Baptist you get to stay saved. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So you we so we stay saved. Uh, and um so that was that was very precious to us and I have a Pentecostal heritage from my great from my great grandmother who was Pentecostal and I have a uh, a spirit-filled, charismatic heritage from my, that my grandmother, who got baptized in the Holy Spirit on her ranch out in Holly, just like that song said, she was just seeking him. And when she sought him, she found him, and she didn't even know what she was hunting for. She wasn't seeking the baptism of the Holy Spirit because she didn't know about it. But she was seeking God. Hallelujah. Because she was a good Baptist. Amen. And obviously God put a hunger in her and had a purpose and all that. So we're thankful for our heritage. And we just try to squeeze everything that we can get out of that heritage uh, that we have. And some people have a lot more heritage than we have. I mean, it is obvious that Bill Johnson, fifth generation Pentecostal preacher. I know uh, uh, David Ellis is a many generation Pentecostal preacher and there is no doubt that those kind of heritages are tremendously valuable but you would be surprised the people that do nothing with those kind of heritages and go off and backslide and act like heathens and don't do anything and don't serve God so we value those things now this applies to spiritual family also because we know that from Elijah and Elisha and Elisha valued that anointing. He valued that mantle. So he follows Elisha around because he hears it's about time for him to die. And he wants that mantle. And he's just do anything to get the mantle. And uh, uh, just uh, esteemed that spiritual father and, and wanted the, the same anointing that the spiritual father had. And it's the same with us here. Y'all can have the anointing we have because... But you're going to have to honor it. You're going to have to respect it. You're going to have to esteem it. And uh, hallelujah, you, you're going to be more anointed under a spiritual father than you ever will be off by yourself. And sometimes you have to make an effort. Uh, like Pastor and I, there's not another pastor in town that we can just go to their church. But we, so we have to make a bigger effort than you do to have, to, to have a spiritual father. We have to we have to uh, find ways to connect to men who are can we can make spiritual fathers in our lives, and so sometimes it takes work, but it's important. Amen. And spiritual mothers, hallelujah! Thank God uh, for the spiritual mothers and fathers we've already had, and more to come in the future. And you can have more than one. Like pastor can be your spiritual father, and you still have a connection uh, with a spiritual father. 
like for instance, if if God says, okay, uh, uh, Laquina, you're moving, or somebody you're moving, you can you don't have to just drop that spiritual father and walk away. You can stay connected uh, to a spiritual father that you know, and and still have another spiritual father. Amen. And uh, that's the way it should be. I know we've maintained a connection with Jonathan and some of the church members that have left. We still have uh, a connection of, and sometimes you have a deeper connection than others, a more where they're drawing from you more. Most people don't even know about spiritual fathers. They don't know how to draw from the anointing, or we could have a lot more. We could draw a lot more because fathers are willing to give of their anointing. There's not any limit. There's not any shortage of spiritual fathers. There's shortages of spiritual sons and daughters who know how to be spiritual sons, who draw from the anointing, who esteem that, what they can have in the spirit. Now, Elisha had no one to, to, to pass his anointing on to because Joseph, Joash, he tried to pass it to Joash, and he gave him a test. And the test was this. He told him to take those arrows and shoot them out the window, you remember? And uh, he didn't pass the test. Joash failed the test. Joash did not esteem the anointing in the mantle of Elisha, and so he didn't get it. And so Elisha died with nobody to give his anointing in his mantle to. Hallelujah. So, so we have to have an understanding of these spiritual things. And if we do, we can draw a lot more than we're drawing. And you don't even have to personally know a spiritual father. You can draw from someone that you don't personally know and make and you can make them a spiritual father. But I tell you, it's easier if it can be a two-way street and they can father you and you can be a son or a daughter to them. Hallelujah. So we've talked about a lot of things tonight, so we'll move on. Uh, we've talked about uh, broken families and broken parents have always existed. In the Western culture, even good homes can lack parental love. And we talked about there's been a breakdown of family. Uh, churches also no longer know how to be families. I think the bigger the church, sometimes the less it will know how to be a family. Uh, and uh, But also sometimes the bigger the city. In Seminole, it was a lot easier to be a spiritual family as a church than it is in Tuscaloosa. And why is that? Well, for one thing, there was nothing else to do in Seminole. And we weren't having a lot of distractions then that y'all are all having. There was no movie theater to go to. There was no Starbucks. There was no, you know, there was hardly anything to go to. And so we were all got our, a lot of our entertainment and fellowship came from our spiritual family, our church family. And plus, I believe in those days, the latter part of the charismatic movement, people were more committed to the things of God. Hallelujah. And so because of that, a bigger city makes it a little bit harder. Sometimes, though, the, the, the city can get so big, like something like New York or something, that you just fellowship with the people in your area. But in Tuscaloosa, we're kind of just big enough to be scattered all over the county, but not so big that, you know, uh, and that's kind of the way with all the churches around here because they come from all over to go to Valley View. It's not just a neighborhood church is my point. But you get a really big city, and it'll get more like a neighborhood church. And so, um, and I'm talking about huge. Tuscaloosa, see, I think Tuscaloosa is a big city, but most people don't. <laughs> but if you came from Seagraves, you would think 
Tuscaloosa is huge, you know. Hallelujah. So anyway, uh, we need to build the culture of family into River Church. I think that's happening in uh, fire starters and other things that we're doing. Uh, that to, to, reason for that to sustain to sustain revival, to connect broken people to the fatherhood of God, to bring healing to orphan spirits because a lot of people have an orphan spirit, to pass on our faith to the next generation. If we aren't sons and we don't know how to be sons, our kids sure won't know how. Amen? Hallelujah. Uh, God values family. Satan hates it. We ought to point out the fact that Satan hates family. He's doing everything he can to tear up the spiritual family, but also to tear up the natural family. Uh, we know God, Father, God, Jesus came to reveal the fatherhood of God. Matthew 3, 17, God said, This is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. He could have said, This is my next king, folks. Hallelujah. Or this is my beloved servant. Or this is going to be a great miracle worker. But he said, No, this is my son. Um, the idea of fatherhood and family did not originate on this planet, but in Father God's heart. Um, God actually operates heaven as a family. And we saw that in Ephesians 3.14. The family on earth is patterned after the family in heaven. Hallelujah. And we talked last week about the glorious family that is in heaven. And we are a glorious church only to the degree that we are a family with spiritual sons and daughters and spiritual fathers. Um, we need to learn to love according to relationship in the church. In other words, I don't love you for what you can do for me. I love you because you're my sister or my brother, and we are in the same family. I don't love you because of, um, or I don't dislike you because what you didn't do for me. <laughs> Hallelujah. Uh, that's not family. We don't love according to agreement. We may not agree on every jot and tittle, but that doesn't make us any less family. We don't have to, if you're a post-tribulation rapture person, that makes no difference. As long as it's not heresy, in other words, you denying the virgin birth or something, we can agree. That's why we can, you know, we don't have to throw the Mormons out with the bathwater because they agree on a virgin birth. They agree on the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ. They agree on the, They agree that you have to receive Jesus Christ as your Savior. They have one little problem. They throw Joseph Smith into the mixture. But why do we care about Joseph Smith? That'd be like throwing the Baptists out because they throw the Holy Spirit out. I kind of wonder sometimes if which would be worse, to have a Joseph Smith or no Holy Spirit. Now, they do have a Holy Spirit, but he's only allowed to do certain things, you know. And so we don't throw that out. I, I get upset about that. They say that Christians, uh, uh, the Christians caused the last election to go how it went because they didn't go out to vote. Because there's been so much teaching in the body of Christ that Mormons is a cult. And so nobody wanted to vote that was a Christian, wanted to vote for Romney. It's like, here's my, we were in Texas recently and someone, one of our family members said, well, we had a guest speaker in and they taught on Mormons were a cult. I'm like, can't y'all find anything? How edifying is that? How much does that build the church? How much does that cause you to grow? How much does that? We're so afraid sometimes that we're just, you know, we miss the blessings. You know, uh, hallelujah. Anyway, I was disgusted to say the least, but 
Hallelujah. <clears throat> so um, sometimes a person, a Christian, won't give love or agreement or approval or affirmation. And instead we reject, disapprove, ignore, dishonor because we want to be right. If you have to be right all the time, you're not a very good member of the family of God. And you won't be a very good member of your own personal family if you want to be right. <laughs> Romans 8, 15. Let's go there now. So this, um, the breakdown of the family, uh, divorce, of course, has broke down the natural family. Uh, church splits. That's a, that breaks down the, the, the spiritual family. Uh, Christians that are out there just on their own, sheep without a shepherd. You know, Jesus was not pleased in the New Testament when the sheep were without a shepherd. The Bible says he was really moved for com with compassion for them. There must be a great benefit to having a shepherd. And, you know, too many people have said, well, I don't agree with him or... Uh, I don't, you know, they cannot stand the humanity of a pastor or a minister. They cannot stand, they want the pastor to be perfect, to never make a mistake. We know people like this. And they want to, they want to make sure they, uh, I know we know some people and it's like it really bugs them when a pastor drives too fancy a car. It might really bugs them if they live in a too fancy of a house. It really bugs them. And by too fancy, I'm not talking about ours. I'm talking about the one that was bugging them was a $1.8 million house. It wasn't. <laughs> Hallelujah. Now, thank you, Jesus. And so um, that's, that causes breakdown in the family. Because we're looking uh, for perfection. And sometimes we misunderstand things, too. We, we misunderstand all the time uh, what all is that things that are sometimes things are given to pastors and ministers and they either have to give it back or sell it or or risk the criticism sometimes of other of men of uh, church members and even other ministers you know that's that thing with you know with prosperity comes persecution which the bible says that in mark 10 uh, romans eight fifteen. That's another whole subject, but in, but it does relate into the sense of if we let that break us down and break us away from our family. For ye have not received the spirit of bond of bondage again to fear, but ye have received the spirit of adoption whereby we cry, Abba, Father. That's Daddy God, Daddy, Father. Abba means Daddy or Papa. So it is a very intimate term that we have a Daddy in heaven, so... Hallelujah. We're getting healed, praise God, from not being, uh, from being orphans. We're created to be sons and daughters. You, when, you when you got saved, you received a spirit of adoption whereby you cry, Abba, Father, Daddy, God. So try that in your prayer time where you call God Daddy. At first, it makes you very uncomfortable, I can tell you. It's easier to say Father than it is to say Daddy. Or Papa's not a word that we use often for Daddy, but in other places they do. They refer to Daddy as Papa, uh, uh, especially in older older days than now. Romans five seventeen. Turn back a couple of 
pages. Man, we don't get very far. I think y'all testified too long. So no, I'm just kidding. Romans 5.17. Oh, it was so good. For if by one man's offense death reigned by one, much more they which receive abundance of grace and of the gift of righteousness shall reign in life by one Jesus Christ. I mean, we're all about the reigning and ruling, aren't we? But uh, the right to rule and reign is tied up in sonship. And our understanding of it, we will be abusive in our reigning, like we will be calling down fire and judgment and so forth in our prayers, until we understand how God looks at the family system within the church. Amen? And we will also be critical of parts of our family, like the Catholics and the Mormons and the, you know, I don't know about Jehovah Witnesses and Seventh-day Adventists. I've never studied them. But I will say this, if they believe... In the blood of Jesus, the virgin birth, the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ. If they believe that you have got to receive Jesus Christ by faith to be your Savior, it doesn't matter how squirreled up the whole rest of their doctrine is. Then they are our brothers and sisters in Christ. Even if they don't think we're their brothers and sisters in Christ. And that's a lot of those uh, denominations. And everybody calls them a cult. And, you know, I would be called a heretic for saying they may or may not be. But, and they, and if, even if the denomination is a cult, that doesn't mean there's not individual members in there that are born again and saved. Hallelujah. And going to be in heaven. And God loves them. Amen. And we would do good to be kind to them. Hallelujah. But they all, a lot of those denominations like that i don't know which one but the ones that walk knock on your door and they pass out the watchtower they think you're going to hell no matter where what church you go to so you know we can forgive them for that too and say you're going to be so surprised to see me in heaven <laughs> if you make it you're going to be so surprised <laughs> because i know i'm going i know i'm going to be there i uh, i know i've been born of the spirit and of the blood hallelujah Hallelujah. I'm excited about that. If you don't have anything else to be thankful for tonight, you can be thankful. You've been born of the Spirit. Amen. Hallelujah. Refathered from above. And He has your best interests at heart and everything's turning out amazing. So let's turn over and we'll see how we can only rule and reign to the extent that we know about family. So Genesis 1 uh, right out, you know, Pastor always says the sooner it's mentioned in the Bible, the more important it is. Doesn't he say that? Or did, did y'all ever hear him say that? Y'all sleep or y'all hear that? Or, hallelujah. So this is pretty soon, wouldn't you think? Genesis 1.28, this is very soon. So this is, this is foundational. And this is where we get the power to rule and reign. And God blessed them and God said unto them, be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth. There right there reveals God's intent for the family plan. There's the family plan right there. Hallelujah. Be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth and subdue it or have dominion. He says, and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the fowl of the air and over every living thing that moveth upon the earth. So the family plan, being a family, hallelujah, 
be fruitful and multiply, that can be spiritually too, that we're fruitful. We bear fruit. We multiply. Hallelujah. And then also have dominion. Because when you try to take dominion without understanding family, sometimes you can be kind of uh, a mean Christian. Hallelujah. We need to raise our children in a relational environment. We are to d discipline and live from relationship and family. Hallelujah. Understanding family and disciplining according to family and releasing love. Hallelujah. The family is the head or foundation of every person's identity. Every person's identity comes from family. If the family is healthy, the child will be healthy in the sense of identity and destiny. If the family is healthy, the child will be healthy in the sense of identity. They'll have a strong identity of who they are and not only who they are. You know, a lot of these little people that are running around shooting people and committing crimes, they don't know who they are. They don't have any identity. They don't have a father figure in the home. They are just missing out on identity. They're on the news every night. Tuscaloosa, WVUA, uh, Channel 23 on DISH. Uh, every night, Tuscaloosa County's most wanted. They're all young. There is very rarely an old one. And they're just, you know, just wrecking havoc. It's always burglary, theft, possession of a whatever you call that, illegal or controlled substances. And if they're old, if they're old, you know what it always is? If they're young, they're, it's that. If they're old, you know what it is? Making meth. Invariably, they're making meth if they're old. Old scraggly men are making meth. And women. Uh, no sense of identity. No sense of who they are. No family pride in who they are. Uh, just raised up by the hair of their head and beaten, abused, and starved for love and don't know where to go to get it. Don't, don't understand it when it's brought to them with an apple pie. Don't know how to receive it. Hallelujah. And so we want to make sure we give our children, not only in the church, but in the home, a strong sense of identity of who they are. Give them a good name. Don't name them some pitiful name. I don't want to call any of that because that'll be, well, that was my daddy's name. But I have some thoughts on what, what pitiful names are. You know? You know, give them a good identity. If you can, my daddy said, name Colin. He said, I want you to name Colin B. Byron Billings III. And we said, there's no B. Byron Billings II. He said, that don't matter. It'll look good on a nameplate. <laughs> you know, when he's some big manager or something, that'll look great on a nameplate. <laughs> B. Byron Billings III. And so, and my daddy, he's, he, sometimes he's a little off the wall. There's these, the, the man that runs the 
I'll, I'll end with this because we're kind of out of time anyway, but just tell y'all a funny story. But uh, if this is funny, uh, the lumber yard there in Seagraves, the manager of it, of course, come in the bank all the time. So his wife's pregnant. So my daddy says, I'll give you $500 to let me name the baby. They said, all right. <laughs> I would not take $500 and let a strange stranger name my baby. But some people would sell... Some people would sell their mother for a five hundred dollars. I hope you. He named the baby T. T E E T. T. Well, I don't know if he just woke up and was thinking about golf tees one morning because he's a golfer. But he named the baby T, and that baby is named T, and that baby's got to be all of about twelve years old now. By it now. But he named that baby. I don't know what the baby's other name is, but he named the baby T. Hallelujah. B. Byron Billings the third. Huh? T is trendy now? I'm sure it is very trendy for now. Hallelujah. It's not that bad. I can think of worse, but huh? It's pretty bad, Anita says. She wasn't letting him name Andrew. Let's just put that put it that way. He didn't even ask to name Eric. Thank you, Jesus. <clears throat> but, you know, it is important the name we give them. Because their identity is going to be, you know, hallelujah. Let's just stay all night and just talk about family. Or would y'all rather go home and eat supper? Yeah, Jasmine said yes. Pure honesty.